0: Hello, I'm Dr. Tiffany Jana, and this is part two of Awakening Your Inner Inclusionist. In part one, we talked about the personal work of identifying your relationship to inclusion, the things that you've been taught, the things that you believe, and the new identities and the new perspectives that you want to explore. In this session, we're looking at the interpersonal perspective. So what happens when you take your new beliefs or your old beliefs and you meet another person? How do you show up? Who do you show up as? And what does that interaction look like? So in the interpersonal space, one of the questions that we want to ask ourselves is how can we heal the hearts of those around us? How can we influence the people and the very near systems, right? So within your workplace, within your home, and certainly with your friends, with your family. If you cannot aspire to, or you don't believe that you're here to heal the people around you, at the very minimum, what we wanna do is cause no harm, or at least leave people not injured. And that is one of our soul's responsibilities to make sure that we're not hurting people as we go along. So with this interpersonal space, I like to take cues from our pets, right? So if we think about our cats and our dogs and the beautiful creatures that surround us, the, the, the soul animals that we invite into our family, No matter what happens in the course of a day, those beautiful creatures are smiling, they're there for us, they're warming our hearts. We consider dogs to be a person's best friend. We think of attributes like loyalty, forgiveness, right? If you have a bad day and you yell at the dog, the next day when you come home, that dog's tail is still wagging and and he's there for you. Animals stay in a a space of curiosity, always exploring their environments, and they maintain a, a perpetual sense of joy, which is part of why we want to be around them. So as we take responsibility for the energy that we put into the world, these are some of the attributes that we want to think about cultivating for ourselves. So staying in curiosity is such an important one. When we think of the divisions, the things that cause us to be at odds with other people. Often those are rooted in our assumptions. They're rooted in the stereotypes that we have about people and the stories that we tell ourselves or have been told about who other people are, what they are capable of, and those things color and inform our interactions. So staying in that sense of curiosity, joyful curiosity, involves things like deep listening. right? If you interact with people and you approach people from a perspective of already knowing, already believing that you understand who someone is, who they are, what they are capable of, then that closes you off to the, the joyful expression of getting to see someone's reality and someone's soul unfold before you. So remaining in that sense of curiosity allows each individual person you interact with to show you who they are, no matter how much they might remind you of someone else, no matter how much you might think you know about a particular culture or a particular expression, a particular orientation, each individual has the right to be who they are. And it is only when we stay in deep curiosity and we allow for that deep listening that we're able to hear that individual expression of someone's soul. The other thing is feedback, okay? Welcoming feedback. One of the challenges in the era that we're living in now is that we lack cultural fluency and the ability to interact well across differences often because we haven't had adequate exposure to different kinds of people in different contexts and so we stumble right? We interact with people and we stumble. We make mistakes. We make assumptions. We end up embarrassing ourselves in a multitude of ways. And I fully admit that I do it on a nearly daily basis because there's no perfection in this space. No matter how much you learn and think you know, there's always more opportunity to learn because again, each individual is uniquely who they are, and there is no preparing for an individual's soul expression. You just have to be there to witness it and embrace what you experience. So when you do make a mistake, when you do blunder, when you do commit or initiate a subtle act of exclusion, as is the title of my fourth book, right? So subtle act of exclusion, like a microaggression, right? When you commit one of those, when you initiate one and someone is harmed, regardless of your intent, right? Typically what happens is our intentions are good. Maybe we're just asking a curious question. Maybe someone just reaches out and touches my blue hair and says, oh, my gosh, it's so fluffy and beautiful. I love your hair. Well, that's a microaggression. That is a subtle act of exclusion. I'm not a curiosity. I'm not a chia pet to be rubbed by strangers. And so even when your intent is good, sometimes we will cause harm. And if I say to a person who reaches out and touches my hair without my permission, oh, oh, excuse me please don't touch my hair. I really don't, I don't don't enjoy that. Um, I like my privacy, I like my personal space. Most people's reaction to receiving feedback that they've done something wrong or offensive is a little bit of an instantaneous defensive posture. That's a normal response. What I would invite you to do as someone who's awakening their inner inclusionist is to accept that feedback for the sacred gift that it is. For someone to muster up the courage to say to you, you have just done or said something that has caused me some degree of harm, that takes an act of courage. It takes an act of vulnerability to do that. And a person who is being intentionally inclusive and nurturing these aspects of growth within themselves will silence momentarily the defensiveness and receive that gift as an opportunity to live into the values that we purport to want to embody. It's not easy. (laughs) I'm not gonna pretend that it is. It is definitely not easy. It is so hard to be told. You've just done something that makes me believe that maybe you've got racist tendencies or bias tendencies or that you don't understand my culture, my expression, or you don't respect my person. Those are hard things to hear. But please know that if someone takes a moment out of their day, out of their week, out of their year, and they choose to share with you a little bit of truth about how they are experiencing you, this may not be a truth about who you are or who you want to be, but a truth about how they've just experienced you, it is a sacred gift because if that person did not believe that you were capable of more, if that person had not been startled by your expression of exclusivity or your expression that someone is a curiosity or they don't belong, if they didn't believe that you were capable of something different, that you were something different and that your values were not demonstrating themselves at that time, they wouldn't say anything to you at all. So if I come across someone who I know really has no time for me, no respect for my people, and does not care about my well being or the well being of the people around them. I'm not going to tell them how I think they can be better. I'm going to save my breath and I'm going to keep moving. So, whether it's a friendship, an acquaintance, a colleague, or a family member, When someone tells you that they've just experienced you in a way that has disappointed them somehow, understand that that's a gift. And if you receive it in that spirit, no matter how it's expressed, because that person's just been injured, so it's likely that their limbic brain has been activated and they may not have expressed it in a particularly gracious way. I hope they do. I I try to, but sometimes when I've been hurt, I lash out like our little animal pet friends, right? (laughs) When when, when a little animal is hurt, they don't always come back at you nice, they snarl. So even if they snarl at you and say, ah, not happy with what you just said, buddy. still a gift, receive it as such. So the next thing I want to talk about is expanding your in-group, okay? So when we're thinking about Awakening our inner inclusionist. It's so much easier for us to be on our best behavior with the people we love the most, right? So your partner, your your very very close friends, uh, the family members who <laughs> you still want to talk to because we all have family members that maybe drive us a little bit crazy. But even with those family members who drive us a little bit crazy, we allow so much more grace because we know their story, because we want to keep them in our lives or we know that they will be in our lives. And so we're not very quick to, to cut that cord and discard them or dismiss them. And that is something that I want you to consider. The people who are in your in-group, in your inner circle, their shenanigans you have a higher tolerance for. I mean, this is the reason that you know racist uncle Bob gets away with saying what he says at the holiday table and so many people don't speak up and say anything, and we should. We should absolutely be the ones to say, hey, Bob, it's 2021. We really probably shouldn't say things like that anymore because if the people who love Bob are not willing to stand up and say something, who's going to say anything to Bob? Who does Bob have a relationship with that actually matters to them? And if you stand up and say something, does that mean that, Bob, you might lose that relationship? Absolutely but it's more important that that we stand in our integrity and that we reflect authentically each other back at each other and allow that opportunity for growth. That's an important thing to do. So when we're talking to people who we know and love, we tend to allow a lot more grace. And then what happens when we get to places like the workplace, when 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 we get just a little bit outside of that circle, still close, but not super close, we have less tolerance. So if you are supervising someone and they happen to be late to work, uh, maybe chronically late to work, you don't care, right? We just say, you know, these are the rules, you're supposed to be on time, blah, 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 blah. Well, that person has a story. That person has a drama that's playing out. Every single one of us, every single day is navigating a personal war. Some of us are winning, some of us are losing, and most of us are somewhere in between. And when we, f- we cease to allow for the humanity of the people around us, we don't create space for people to thrive. So the question that I asked at the beginning was, how can we heal the hearts of those around us? We need to allow that inner circle, that in-group to expand beyond just the folks that we like and love and and have you know relationships that have legs for whatever reasons that they do and understand that expanding our cultural fluency, awakening our inner inclusionist means that we allow the same levels of grace for all people. It's a big ask, I know. But the same levels of grace for all people is exactly the kind of world that we want to live in. When we're willing to acknowledge that everyone is navigating something really hard all the time, and we're willing to give people the space to be who they are, to listen, to stay in curiosity and joy, then we create a completely different kind of environment. And as the symbiotic animals that we are, when people around us are thriving, we are thriving. Why don't you want to work on a team with that cranky guy at the office who has a bad attitude (laughs) Because it's contagious. When somebody is miserable, it literally takes you down. And we also know that it, it actually affects your systems. Your blood pressure rises when you're around someone who's chronically miserable. And your joy also increases when you're around people who are chronically joyful. So decide which kind of person you're going to be when you interact with people and maybe be a little bit less stingy with who you're, (laughs) with who you're nice to and who you forgive and who you allow grace for, because the more of that joy and inclusion that you spread, the wider you expand those circles, those concentric circles in your in-group, the more joy you emanate, the more joy you're able to absorb and receive. So it really is a beautiful, beautiful feedback loop. The next one is not so fun (laughs) like the other ones were, but the next thing I want you to do is start getting comfortable being uncomfortable, right? So this is kind of thematic through the things that we already talked about. Receiving feedback from people that you maybe are not representing the values that the highest values that you would like to represent, It's not an easy thing to do. Expanding your in-group to include folks that maybe are nothing like you at all, not an easy thing to do. But when you awaken your inner inclusionist, you recognize that comfort is not the place from, from whence we grow, right? When things are great and we're comfortable and we're smooth sailing it through life, like that's not typically the place where we learn our greatest lessons. When do we grow the most? When do we learn our best lessons? Often through difficulty, through strife, through pain, through hurt. And it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily hurt yourself, but get comfortable being uncomfortable if you're looking to be a more inclusive person and seek more equity for people around you and people in the world. Because the nature of this work is that it is difficult. It is challenging. And it will continually rock you back on your heels, right? I like to say that, like, I mess up all the time. I'm a whole diversity expert, according to some people. And I step in what I call steaming piles of diversity doo-doo, right? (laughs) All the time. I really, really do. And the important thing to do in those cases is to stop, recognize that you're human, forgive yourself, acknowledge the blunder apologize for the harm caused and invite the learning in at that point. Invite whatever, whoever you've harmed to help you understand how you can avoid that precise error again. You'll make new ones. (laughs) We're so creative in our humanity. You will make new mistakes, but try not to make the same ones over and over again. Right. So if I never say anything to the person who reaches out and and touches my hair, if I, don't, if I don't create an, an educational moment out of it or at least pique their curiosity enough that they look up, why did that black person get so upset when I touched their hair? Then they'll keep doing it over and over again and perpetually causing harm in their, leaving harm in their wake. That's not what you want to do. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. And eventually what, what used to be discomfort will cease to be discomfort. You'll recognize that, oh, I'm expanding my in-group. My circle of culture, my circle of people, my circle of human spirits has become so vast that I'm no longer uncomfortable in any context that involves human beings. And that is such a glorious place to be. I was gifted with the opportunity to live on, work on, and visit six continents. 2020 was supposed to be my Antarctica year and it got stolen by a pandemic. I'm gonna go get it. <laughs> but what it's done is it's caused me to feel incredibly comfortable no matter where I am. Doesn't matter whether people are wealthy, whether they are, you know, whether they are are, are resourceless or whether they are highly academic and learned. Or folks with a with a grade school education, able-bodied, queer, you know, heterosexual. It doesn't matter. When I'm in the context of people, I'm at home because it is the human soul that is the true expression of my family. All of the outer trappings are they're beautiful, they're distinct, they're unique, they're important, they're sacred, but they're not the only definitions of people. And I don't allow those external those external by uh, criteria, variables, factors to determine how I interact and how I value those souls around me. The soul expression is something that often takes a little bit more invitation and time to get to know. So I want to leave you with the, the unfortunate reality <laughs> that this work is, it's, it's not like an appendectomy, okay? It's, uh, I mentioned this in my first book, Overcoming Bias everyone is looking for a, a quick fix, the cliff notes. What do I need to know about these, you know, about individual identities and how do I not step in it? How do I not mess up? Well, that's impossible, right? I can't, your your bias cannot be entirely eliminated. You can identify your biases one at a time, address them, get better, and then new ones will crop up behind them. So I want you to think of this interpersonal work as as a hygiene model okay like you've got to <laughs> you've got to wash yourself every day or at least every other day or else you're going to get a little bit funky okay the same goes for this uh, this inclusionist awakening work you're going to have to do this work on a continual basis it is just part of the responsibility of being an inclusive human because people are individual expressions because souls are entirely unique the space that you create to invite people to be who they are and for you to be who you are authentically like you, who you are in this equation is is very important. You don't want to be in a context where you have to cover and hide and be a fragment of who you are. So you'll start to recognize your soul family as a reflection of you. The more you open up and allow people to be who they are and you celebrate that, the same comes back to you. So it is a beautiful, beautiful process of of opening and sharing and reflecting and it becomes a much more beautiful world. Your space becomes more beautiful, but it is a hygiene model. You have to keep looking for the places that are stinky <laughs> in your inclusionist being. When you find yourself reacting in a way that doesn't feel like listen to your body, your somatic response to things, you need to listen to where you you where do you respond with anger? Where do you respond with apprehension, with confusion? Where do you respond with blame? These are the places that you want to explore because they're tied to messages that we've received over time that tell us who's important, who's a leader, who's capable, who's not. And those are things that can be reprogrammed with great intention. So continue to find the places where you see yourself in judgment of others and look for the opportunities to be in relationship with others how you respond to other people and how they respond to you, you have much more control of than you realize. And the reality is that often the interactions that we have with people are a reflection of our own insecurities. So go forth and be inclusive. I'll see you next time.